You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And what happens when, you, when you're in the moment is suddenly you get, get over yourself, get out of your head, and suddenly you can connect. Mm-hmm. And isn't that what your actors want Absolutely. don't they want to connect to the to that whatever who is judging them do do you get the role or not do mm-hmm. you want to connect to the audience do you mm-hmm. want to connect to your fellow uh, actors right you mm-hmm. you you need to get out of your head and into the moment so you can connect mm-hmm. you remember that you're one with them Hello and welcome to another episode of Audition Secrets. I'm Justin Guarini. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I've got a really great show for you today. Um, It's a little bit different than what I usually do. Normally I have actors, directors, and writers on the show. As a matter of fact, next week I'm going to have Tony Award winning writer Robert Horn, who of course won the Tony for Tootsie on the show. But this week I've got two health practitioners, Diana Pereira and Colin Kurtz, who own Koru Real Wellness, and they stopped by to talk about Feldenkrais as well as XPT. They are XPT trained professionals. We'll get into what that is as well as Feldenkrais if you don't know that. But a couple of the takeaways here from this episode are breathing as a health benefit that leads to heightened awareness. As many of you will know if you watch my Instagram stories or my other social stuff, that breathing is a huge thing for me. And we get into that with some health practitioners who are all about the breath. Okay, another thing to take away from this one is radical honesty and vulnerability as the gateway to better connection in performance and in life. Ooh, we get a little we get a little deep and spiritual in this conversation and I'm so excited for you to hear it. Okay, before I get to the actual interview itself, I do want to tease you a little bit. I have got over the next couple of weeks some extremely exciting news about Audition Secrets the podcast. We are leveling up. We are taking things to a brand new level and I'm so so very excited to be joining a wonderful family of folks. I'll tell you more about it in a couple of weeks, but I just had to drop that little pearl into the water and let it ripple a little bit. I'm so, so very excited, and I cannot wait to tell you all the cool things that we are up to with Audition Secrets. Okay, in the meantime, here's the interview with Diana Pereira and Colin Kurtz of Koru Real Wellness. What I'd love to really first explore with you for my listeners is... Feldenkrais and XBT, and for people who don't know what the Feldenkrais technique is, um, how would you explain that to them? 
the Feldenkrais method, mm-hmm. this, this is the official name of it, of somatic education. Look at what a mouthful that somatic is. Somatic right? allocation? <laughs> education. Education. Somatic education. education. The Feldenkrais method of somatic education. Yeah. So education, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's learning. It's somatic. It's done through the movement, through the body, through the certain specific kind of movement, I would say. And it's a, a way to utilize movement and attention together to engage the, the activity of your brain to create change, to create benefits. So that those can go anywhere from improving pain and posture mm-hmm. to see so you just sat up straighter right. the moment I said posture. <laughs> I did, I did. Yeah, and also you're mimicking what I'm doing, which is yeah. I have, you know, fairly decent posture. Mm-hmm. Because over time, I learned how to use these movements to give my body the education through my brain's neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. Very difficult to understand, but it's just the ability of the brain to change yeah. and grow and keep evolving mm-hmm. to identify good posture with pleasure. So when I have poor posture, my body goes, hey girl, that's hurting. Do you notice that? And I don't notice right away. I notice in a few moments that yeah, lower back pain. Mm -hmm. But over time it just happens on its own that I organize my body to be in the best place to move, to act, to eat, to think, um, because I associate it with certain sensations and the brain takes care of it. It's amazing. How did you come to Feldenkrais Method? Me? You're gonna make for that? Uh, I discovered it in 2007 um, when I was living in New York. I was at Columbia, and it's big in New York, of course, with the acting world and every and performing in general. Um, and a couple people that I was at school with were taking classes, and it had dropped the name. Actually, somebody you both know named Ethan, lovely young man that I was actually living at an ashram with beforehand this summer, studying yoga, and then he got into Feldenkrais. And... Um, he was the main one that planted the seed for me 12 years ago. And I just went down to the Institute um, in Chelsea and took some classes and actually met somebody else that Dan is friends with, this woman, Tessa, and took classes with her. Um, and I just was immediately, it was immediately clear that this was profound. And the profundity had more to do at first, because I was studying religion with the more if you will, philosophical or even spiritual, so not side, but core. Um, and I, I was, as Diana was listening to Diana, I was thinking, God, we spend so much time explaining this and thinking of how to explain it. And it's always different. And that's very predictable <laughs> um, because it's, you know, I remember when we first started talking about it at Burpee Park, I was like, all right. Yeah. yeah that I would, moment I where I think, you. yeah. And I what take did a moment. He say? Uh, he didn't say anything. He's like, I uh, tried. I was like, to, what do you do, man? And he's like, I just well. wasn't in the mood to try to explain. He's like, oh, this is. I'm gonna. I need like, how much attention are you willing to give me? Right. Right. Because if I rush, if I feel like I need to rush it, I go right to. Okay, here's a clear distinction. Uh, and I talk about how it's different from massage and chiropractic because that's the easiest. I've found that's an easy, consistent distinction for people to understand. Um, and the simple piece there is that the focus of the work is your nervous system, so to speak, where your habits are rooted, uh, skeletal muscular habits, neuromuscular habits, physiological habits, they're rooted in your nervous system. And, and there's, of course, truth to how chiropractic work and massage connect with your nervous system, but the focus of the Feldenkrais method is certainly neurological 
in a very oversimplified manner. Right, right. <laughs> That's the Cliff's Notes version of it. So yeah. you mentioned something that was popular in New York, popular with a lot of actors and movers. How have you seen Feldenkrais used in the, and both of you, how have you seen it used in the performance world? That's how I came across the method, by the way, which is kind of funny. Um, I found it in acting school in 1995. I was there for two years. And what I found fascinating... In Australia? No, I was in Uruguay. Uruguay, okay. Um, where I was born. And we had at least 10 different classes to explore body movement and ballet and mm -hmm. acrobatics and you name it. And Feldenkrais, out of all of them, was the one that transformed things for me. But not necessarily in the classroom environment, but at home. How so? Well, you know, the way I reach for my alarm clock in the morning changed <laughs> because my body learned how to <laughs> twist with ease uh, in that, uh, I need to get up, uh, yeah. you know? So it was just, oh my gosh, this is easy now. So I reach for the damn alarm clock and snap it off, <laughs> right. you know? And, and my day starts different because I start again with a pleasurable movement. So I want to make this very interesting point between habits, identifying habits, for me, it was like, I don't want to get up. Mm -hmm. I am, you know, ugh, 6 a.m. And then your your reaction to the habit and how your body organizes or, you know, arranges itself to create that, be it seated at the computer, cooking, carrying a child, mm -hmm. your backpack, right? The habitual pattern could be thinking pattern as well, but movement pattern is easy to see. And then you replace that. You don't even worry about attacking that because that's ingrained, that's old. Mm. All you have to do is identify it and say, oh, look, at this is the way I do that. And it creates pain or discomfort. Okay, mm. here's a new way. And you try the new way and associate the new way with pleasure, ease, mobility, sense of joy, sense of possibility. And then your, your body does the rest. You trust that you are so intelligent that you're going to pick 100 times, unless you're in a survival situation and you need the old habit, right. you're going to pick the best one. You know, that's interesting that you, you say that and, and quickly, um, because what I'm hearing from all of this really is a greater sense of awareness. Yeah. And this is the Audition Secrets podcast. And I really love to bring awareness to the habits and the thoughts and the things that actors are putting on themselves before they go into the audition room, while they're in the audition room, after they're in the audition room. And I think... You know, one of the biggest things that we think about is breath mm. and awareness of the breath. And when I've worked with both of you, I mean, that is probably one of the first things that we talk about. And, and when I'm working with Colin, you know, we'll do, we'll do all this workout stuff. And he's like, okay, just breathe through your nose. <laughs> right. And like, I'm there running, like working my ass off. And he's like, just make sure you're breathing through your nose. And there's a whole reasons why we'll get into that. Talk to me about your, understanding through Feldenkrais and through XPT, which we'll get to in a second, um, when it comes to awareness of the breath. In my experience, so many of the performers in the conventional sense are, well, they're often musicians. Um, and it, I think what you're, the obvious link to, you know, your work and the podcast uh, focus is not just through the breath, but through the awareness, the ability to get on stage, whether it's in the audition mm -hmm. or literally when you're performing, and know, as Diana was saying, how to relax. And where you, and the key is, as you do more and pay attention more, 
um, you literally can see, oh, I can just allow myself to get in the flow. And, mm. you know, if you're a pianist or playing a violin, of course, you have to have, there's a certain structure to it that you need to uh, respect. But knowing how you can hold literally the violin better mm. makes all the difference. Knowing diaphragmatic breathing as a singer makes all the difference. Sure. Um, I just gave my first uh, best man speech. And that's a totally different kind of stage, much smaller. But I could tell it, wow, I'm able to just let this flow. That's and, that, and that's <laughs> it. That's a that flow state is kind of especially in performance. That's what we're seeking all the time. That's that, and for lack of a better word, that drug that you know we get up there and drug. we are just in the moment, and whatever's happening is happening. And I find that when I'm performing and I'm doing my best, I don't plan. In advance. I mean, there are obviously, like you said, there are certain structures when it comes to blocking where you're supposed to be when. You stick on the to the stage. script sometimes. <laughs> you gotta stick to the script, obviously, but it's like I know when my body is just being. You mm. know what I mean? I know when I'm just in that flow state and that um, awareness and, and uh, especially to the breath. So you asked That's, about the breath. Yeah, especially to the breath. I mean, I know that diaphragmatic breathing is imperative when it comes it's like singing 101 right mm -hmm. and when whether you're a dancer or a singer or you're just acting or moving around how can people become more aware of the breath and make the breath more advantageous to themselves well, i think you just answer the the question you ask by saying the breath is the gateway to flow in my experience. And if you think about it, it's the gateway to actual life mm. lived to its fullest, just for the simple fact that it's our life force. That is the first thing you do when you are born. And it's probably the last thing you'll do before you go on to whatever's next, mm -hmm. if there's anything after, mm. right? In any case, the last breath, right, idea. So. I think practice, I think practice that awareness of, am I breathing deeply right now or mm. am I taking 18 breaths a minute, mm. which is, you know, 16 to 18 t breaths a minute is the average mm. that we take this these days. And really? I, optimally for health, it should be between seven, six and eight, between six and eight breaths a minute. Interesting. So we breathe wow. rapidly, we breathe shallow, and we breathe a lot of people through the mouth. Mm -hmm. So just bringing the attention to the, the depth of the breath and the where is it taking place. Mm -hmm. Unless you're speaking, could be done through the nose, and it could take place in your lower abdomen, between your ribs, low back, and then come up into the chest. You mentioned something, um, and this is a little bit about the XPT. You went down to Gabby Reese and Laird... Hamilton. Hamilton's place down in, where is that, Costa Rica? Costa Rica. No. Not their place. Not but their house. Well, whatever An it experience. Is. They're, they're and we experience. did a lot of breathing there. And actually, right. I did it today because I have an XPT class here, mm -hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, 40 minute breath work sessions every day. And just I did one today, just, on just like that. Amazing. And a lot of patterning um, that have to do with, of course, the proper breathing mechanics that I was just describing, but then mm. the practice of breathing mm. intentionally as an activity. So mm. it takes a little bit of effort sure. to sustain fast Stead breathing, holding breathing pattern that involves breath holds and, yeah. and a lot of sound. Um, Lerth says the, your breath has a voice and if you don't allow it then the animal in you cannot get out so you link your exhalation with the sound of your breath and then you connect to that roar of your life force mm. 
Interesting. So what are the, some of the sounds that you hear in class? I mean, is it literal roars? Uh, some of them, but yeah. Anything from like, like a uh, general uh, exhale, uh, like, like... Just general. Or... But you're letting the beast out. I'm going to scare your listeners. <laughs> yeah, but okay, seriously, you connect it. to that life force. And I think once you make that a practice... Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's very slow cadences. There's very geometrical cadences where you make four corners of your breath and you connect to the pauses between in and out. And you'd learn that the breath can take you different places, can increase activity, can increase calm and relaxation, focus, can increase um, parasympathetic state where you go to sleep and mm. sympathetic state ready to jump, mm -hmm. bliss. I think, yeah, I think, you know, because... Most of the performers listening this uh, to this are going to be familiar with the breath mm -hmm. and breath work, and we've done some things like that in school. But for people who just aren't aware of it or who aren't as aware of it, what's a simple exercise that someone could take from this podcast and say, okay, I'm going to try this for mm -hmm. five, ten, however many minutes a day? Yeah, well, I will love to send you to our YouTube channel where I have Please. some recordings, so we can do. put that on the notes. Great. But just some things anyone can do right now, even as you listen, is just inhale through your nose. Say it takes you three beats to inhale, and then hold it for three beats, and then exhale through your nose for three beats. Back of your throat, if you want to, like an ocean, like still through the nose, and then hold it for three. And do that a number of times and just see. In 10 minutes, you reset your whole your whole so nervous system, especially if you can pattern. do it from your belly, from your lower mm -hmm. diaphragm. Yeah. yeah. It's the main one that we teach and that you know, they teach in XBT. You call it box breathing and then it turns in. Yeah, understanding there are four parts, like Diana said. Four parts to every breath, no matter how you do it. The mm -hmm. inhale, the moment, the exhale, the moment. Mm -hmm. And it takes care of slowing it down because if you're pausing, if you're attending to the pause, like between the heartbeats, you know, Miles Davis' famous quote, the music is the pause between the notes, mm -hmm. that silence. Well, that exists in breath, but we don't ever pay attention to that. Yeah. So that on its own will reset you, will downregulate your heart, will focus your attention and, and have you um, really come into yourself. And from that place, I think it's much easier to talk to flow to sure. present yourself I mean, imagine doing that before an audition mm -hmm. or doing that before a performance you know there's a um for lack of a better word motivational speaker and he has this really great meditation that's so simple where he literally just sits and he breathes like what you're talking about and he starts by um saying the word release 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 on the out breath and then start saying it internally and then just says that word that word that word and i've done it and it's amazing to, that you feel not only is it a release of whatever you've done before that moment whatever mind things are going on but your muscles release you relax and i kind of feel like that's the same thing breathing through the nose You've explained this to me before, yeah. but I would love to get a refresher on it. Why well, through the, the nose? Yeah. What specifically, from a physical standpoint, is it so important and so different than, you know, breathing maybe in through the nose, out through the mouth, which is a lot of sort of yoga type breathing? Some of it, right. Mm -hmm. Not all of it, but obviously some of it. Um, so yeah, the nuts and bolts of the breath, as Diana was saying, or and you've already said as well, slow, deep, nasal. Um the key whys for nasal 
something called parasympathetic nervous system, getting in a parasympathetic state. Um, that's seemingly not, I don't know if it's technically or understandably possible with your mouth. And I believe the main reason is something called nitric oxide. Mm. There's nitric oxide receptors in your nose, not in your mouth. Um, it's also just literally easier to take a deep slow breath through your nose and through your mouth that seems counterintuitive <laughs> uh, the mouth hole's bigger well fair enough but but where does it go yeah. just do it right now breathe your, through your mouth and goes up into the chest immediately yeah. right the through, the nose, <laughs> through the nose through the, <laughs> that's, that's gonna be my quote yeah well just, just yeah. because you see it's a bigger hole right it's a right. bigger cavity but actually mm. the nose besides having more receptors for better oxygenation which is the nitric layman oxide, yeah. words of what he just said: mm -hmm. nitric oxide is a is a chemical that your your body receives as oxygenates the blood better. Mm -hmm. Then um, parasympathetic is that calm state of, of your nervous system is is inducing rest and relaxation and conservation of energy mm -hmm. versus sympathetic, which is fight or flight. Right, mm -hmm. so so nasal breathing provokes your brain to relax and gives more oxygen to the blood, but also. It allows you to use your diaphragm mm. when you do the, ma the mouth. You can't. You go into the chest, right? Mm. Unless you train yourself. So we do a lot of mouth-mouth, which it sounds like, <laughs> and mm. you are using your diaphragm. But it takes um, intention because the first thing most people do, you go through the mouth and <gasps> right. into the chest. Right. Sympathetic, fight or flight, ready to push that piano out of the house or lift a car or push, fight the tiger. Push that piano out mm -hmm. of the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's crazy stuff. Yeah, and like Diana said, you can train yourself to take a deep breath through your mouth. Most weightlifters, when they're lifting a heavy weight and they figure out how to brace their core and their transverse abdominis, which is imperative to hold a heavy weight like a piano or a barbell, right. they do it through their mouth. And that's because it's got to be quick and snappy. Right. But right. often, you know, and we do both, but a lot of why the nasal is so critical is because a lot of what we do here with people is getting them into the ice, which is a shock. Ooh, perfect, <laughs> perfect transition to oh. what I was going to ask you about. I was just going to ask you about the XPT and the ice. So go ahead, continue that thought. Yeah, and I remember your experiences so far, and I hope you get in again soon. Oh, I would love to. Yay! Yeah, I'm yeah, cool I'm with it now. Going right in after this, honestly. But oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, mm. we're all welcome. Yeah, um, yeah you cannot calm. I, I think we've, I've never seen, and I suspect Diana would say the same, but um, I've never seen anybody enjoy being in the ice, which is another way of saying succeed, because I think you, the point really is to find the pleasure in it so and let's let's just as an explanation yeah. ice baths so what you have in koru and what they have designed in xpt um is basically a, a tub right and how many how much water fits in there well these are uh, literally rubber made rubber well, whatever it doesn't matter yeah here. exactly yeah. Two yeah. Tubs. yeah like two big tubs there are fancy ones tubs. out there yeah. <laughs> fancy schmancy 100 gallons of so, water yeah well, cold water. so it's a lot of water in there yeah. and enough for you to get in there and, and be in there comfortably and then you just dump bags of ice in it and mm -hmm. it's about what 32 degrees I or guess. less or less yeah around there and so you get into it and i remember the first time i got into it me too it was real cold 
I mean, real, real cold. And it was definitely a shock to my system. And I didn't get into the sauna first because that's an option. You can like heat yourself up. But I got in first and, and it you was, didn't breathe first. And I didn't breathe. Yeah. There you go. Going back to the breath. It's like, it's so important because had I, this the next time that I got in, I, I breathed and it was a completely different experience. But when I got in, my first instinct was to was to, um, what do you call this, clench contract. and to contract, yeah, mm-hmm. and to just just try and ward fight. off the cold and fight it. And, you know, it's kind of funny because when it comes to, like, nerves or whenever I've been reluctant to do something in my performance life, it's just so interesting to see how when I fight against those nerves, when I fight against that reluctance or whatever that mindset or whatever I'm thinking of, how that affects me so much more deeply. And it affects different systems in my mm-hmm. body, right? My heart starts racing. I get clenched jaw and neck and shoulders when I try and fight it. Mm-hmm. And the ice is a really amazing sort of just lesson in letting go and allowing the cold to I mean, penetrate, is that the right word? I wouldn't say that, but just allowing it to be and to realize that at the end of the day, you are in control and your environment, as cold as it is, does not control you. Mm -hmm. Surrender. Surrender. The environmental part is really the key to, uh, there's so many important components to it. Um, I just read somebody, a friend of ours just sent an article literally, which there's no nest I don't know if there's proof to this, but like, hey, guess what? There's new research about ice bathing and anxiety and depression and the links mm. between decreasing that. And that that's beautiful. And I think a lot of Wim Hof is really excited about, and we can talk about who he is as well, how the ice bath is is relevant and the ice in general is relevant to mental health. But um what you just said about the environment, we all have the piece that we're most excited about. To me, it gets cold. It gets cold on Earth, <laughs> and it as an animal, we are, and we're on Earth, and it's relevant to. I I mean I think that's the link to mental health, recognizing that we're on Earth and it gets cold, and we need to, for real wellness, if you will, embrace that and and find a way to love that. And I believe there is a real way to love that component of life on Earth. Well, not just cold, but I think what what I'm hearing is that all of it. <laughs> because, you know, it's like we don't have to fear the lion anymore. We don't have to fear. And now, of course, if you are in a situation <laughs> yeah, where yeah. you might be uh, in an environment or a neighborhood that is less than safe, okay, that barring that, right? But in our normal everyday life, we're at the top of the food chain, right? Mm. If we don't want to be cold, we more often than not aren't able just to not be cold. We could be warm all the time if we want to, we just put on a jacket. But I think that there is something to be said for experiencing the extremes of cold and the extremes of heat and the extreme of love and the extreme mm-hmm. of fear because that's what that's that's life. Mm-hmm. That is the breath of life, right? We yeah. have Coro Real Wellness in the social media, um, yeah. Instagram and Facebook, and the website is wearecoro.com. Great. I'll put all that in yeah. the notes so people can go check it out um, because it's fascinating. I want to mention two things. One is adaptation, that we want to adapt. We want to, in a way, um, expand our potential by by the same way, why do you work out? You don't just work out to stay the same. You work out to bring that baseline of what's possible a little higher, mm. right? Without going crazy and say, you know, I just want to build muscle to the infinite. I know yeah. I want to get stronger. I want to get more able to outlast myself and to be more resilient and, and, and be at it for longer, right? In every realm. 
Mm. If you're an actor and you are training your body, you want to see how can I train without exhausting myself. If you need to read for someone for three hours and you need to control your stamina, I mean, in, in, in all scenarios, you want to adapt to a certain level of stress. So then your homeostasis, what is baseline, okay, I'm mm. safe, <laughs> it's a little higher yeah. next time. Sure. Mm. So your body physiologically doesn't make a difference between emotional stress, mental stress, work stress, um, heat stress, thermal stress. Mm. So when you use the safe environment of a heat um, heated sauna, which by the way is about 200 degrees, mm. or a very cold ice tub, and you're teaching yourself certain ways of coping with it, be it the breath, mental um, techniques that we teach you, or, or just surrendering to it, which is by, you know, a little bit of emotional technique, then you learn how to cope with stress in a safe way that then you can apply in other areas. So if you're stressed in that audition, for example, or you're stressed because it's your first night, second night, things go bad, right? The first <laughs> the first night, all sure. the mistakes pop out. So then you have a way to just bring yourself back to center because you've trained yourself in a stressful environment that is not the stage and it's not the audition room. Sure, And it's safe. And it's that's, totally that's safe. Really and you it. can get out of it anytime you want. Yeah, yeah. Right. You can stop it. Yeah. You can really say stop. Out, yeah, I got. I lasted about thirty seconds in the bath. That the was first perfect. time. First time. Second time, time was, second time was fantastic. Good. Well, because the second time I trained and I prepared yeah. for it, it was one of those things where, look, for my listeners, I want them to know that you know, if you don't have access to a bath or tons cold of shower ice or whatever, cold shower, greatest thing yeah. that I started doing. I would take. Mm-hmm. I'll take my hot shower and I'll do it every time now. Take my hot shower and you know do all my business what I gotta do, and then I would literally <laughs> just turn the the heat off and pump up the cold and yeah. i'll just stay in there yeah for you know just it just get all over yeah. my body and at first it was hellish yeah and <laughs> if you're anything it. like me the first reaction is like ah, ooh, ooh, yeah. Ah, ah, yeah. and what is that is hyperventilating through the mouth right. and yeah. what you want to do is slow and through the nose right. the same thing that works with the eyes with the with the breathing techniques is so you go yeah. And after 10 seconds, it's not that cold. It's not that bad. No. Right? And you enjoy it after maybe 30 seconds yeah. if you're a little crazy. Yeah, it makes you feel... But but again, it's that adaptation. And yeah. the reason why we just rehearse things over and over again, mm-hmm. you know, as performers, just like you are adapting to the stress. I'll never forget the first time I played Fiero in Wicked. And it's a it's a dance-heavy role for, for me, anyway. I'm an actor that moves. I'm certainly not a dancer. And... I had to do it over and over and over again in rehearsal, and yet nothing prepared me for even the dress rehearsal when no one was out in the audience except for just a few of the the, the folks in charge. And it was a whole nother experience. And I got to do it, and I was exhausted. Three quarters of the way through the song, I'm dancing and moving and doing all this other stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end mm. of this song. Right. And so I'm stressing myself again in that safe Mm -hmm. environment. And when I do make it to the end of the song, I realize, okay, I can make it. I may be crawling across the finish line, but I can make it. And I now have a baseline where I can grow from. And the same thing with the cold showers. It's just like, you know, if it's something that is so horrible for you, I've read some things where it's like, okay, you know what? Just uh, instead of just shutting the heat off, just make it a little bit colder Mm. and see and then Mm -hmm. breathe into that and then make it a little bit colder and a little bit Mm -hmm. colder by degrees, right? That's that's another way to go at it. And you can go 
cold and then hot again mm. and then cold again and I've then hot again with, which <laughs> some people go undulations it's really nice because you get really used to it after a while you, it's too hot so you want yeah. cold again and so what are the actual physical health benefits <laughs> for, of, of the uh, of the cold and the hot and the extremes <clears throat> yeah, and answering that goes along with the breath. Um, you know, I, of course, as we're all listening, I, we get I get this little note I want to add, which mm. is um, before getting into that, yeah. real quick, just I want to make it clear that a lot, and we've literally actually just recently been talking more about this. How do we say this in an intelligent way? Like this is so human. Like we are, we're just humans being humans and exploring this with other humans. Like the woman earlier today that I just was doing this with. I don't think you'd pick her off the street as somebody who does an ice bath. <laughs> and she loves it. Mm. We are at a point, and many other people are, where, yeah, of course, it's stressful on a physiological level, and it's shocking, sort of, but we love it. It's like medicine. It's mm. like you get to a point where this is actually something that you love. And... I am driven by a question of how how mm, happy, to be really blunt about it, can one and how um, content can one really be without embracing the elements as they exist, as they sure. unpredictably occur? Sure. Um, when I was younger, I used to say, uh, everybody needs a little good old-fashioned self-destruction. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was a younger thought, right? You know, you go out and you get like hammered in that next day. You wake up and you're just like, oh, it feels like a bag of nails is in your head. And <laughs> then I was like, okay, all right. I, I, I found motivation in that. Sure, exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. But, but I think there's much healthier ways to do it, like getting in the <laughs> yeah. ice. Well, right. whatever it is, that you, however you're pushing yourself. Yeah, it's, re it's necessary for joy. Yeah. yeah. So to your question, um, what's also necessary for joy is the blood flow. And the, the most obvious piece that we speak about is just circulation which relates to your cardiovascular health mm. which is also somewhat counterintuitive mm. i mean to some people that's counterintuitive well i would think getting in the ice may would make your your uh, blood vessels constrict mm -hmm. i mean that's what i would think but that's well, not the case is it um no, i believe that is the case and your, that's part your of the blood workout. goes to yeah. protect the core and the organs goes away from the extremities your heart rate slows down right but then why are we red when we come out of there because you're very cold. Right. <laughs> does the blood rush to the system? I'm, I'm, yes. Mm -hmm. Does it rush to the surface, or is it's, there? It's, I think it rushes mm -hmm. back when you it get out back. to warm you oh, back okay. up as fast as yeah. possible, mm -hmm. and you start shaking. Sometimes movement will bring heat back. Sure. But then you, we get you after a, you know a minute or so of resets. We we bring so your your body resets on its own. Then we get you into a very hot box of mm -hmm. the sauna, and then and then your blood starts pumping and very fast heartbeat and. Sweating and blood flow out. Right. Yeah. Now, in a conventional I, sense, it's like a quote unquote workout because your mm -hmm. cardiovascular system is engaged. And with the proper breathing in the ice, you're oxygenating your blood right. and getting better or, you know, blood that's carrying that oxygen to all of you. Right. I remember specifically you felt something in your legs. Yeah, like, it was, yeah. It felt like someone was, um, it, it felt like a lot of pain in my shins. And in my sort of calf calves, area. calves were a lot. Yeah. yeah, it was really strange. And I realized that I think it was because I was holding a lot of tension there. Which can and restrict the blood flow. Right. right. And also I wasn't breathing. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. that was the thing. I was more like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, this is cold. But 
Can someone safely do this at home? And if so, what are the parameters for that? I think. I mean, we're not doctors, and listening to this, I will say, if you take any of this advice, it's on you. You can't blame us. All right. If you would like to not listen any further, uh, <laughs> <laughs> then, then don't listen any further. Yeah, but of course, we're, the we're, responsible thing right. is to not do it alone ever. Right. Um, period. I think that's. Would you agree with that? I would say anything that involves water. You know, playing in the water, water workouts, holding breath or not. You know, you 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 would never want to hold your breath yeah. and go in the water, for mm. example. And if you're Very doing something in the water, yeah. even even with a body, but there there's some of these um, typical trainings that are done with a body, right? With a, a companion, someone that has eyes on you, and and that if you feel a little dizzy or a symptom that you didn't expect, you have somebody else to check on sure. you and to help you out. Sure. But it's also more enjoyable because misery loves company. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's just do it together, first, right? right? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's yeah. always sometimes good to, to chat fun someone, about what's though. going on sure. or, or to share silence. I literally only do cold showers by myself. I don't do ice baths by myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, if it's one just not were smart. to do, oh, so it's not smart. I, I mean, because it is, it is a it's shock. It's just irresponsible. Yeah. You never yeah. know what the, I mean, regardless of your heart, what if you trip? You just never know. Yeah. That's yeah. True. That's it's good. a totally irresponsible move. And, you know, Wim Hof, I've mentioned him twice now. That's his main uh, disclaimer for everything he teaches. Don't do anything near water. Breath holding, mm -hmm. holding and super ventilation, yeah. breathing fast, mm -hmm. not near water. There's a really amazing technique that he teaches. Yeah. It's part of XVT, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's almost like hyperventilation. We call it, it super. It's yeah. a difference because hyperventilation is exceeding the amounts of oxygen per activity, mm -hmm. per need of mm -hmm. activity. So you're basically saying breathing way more than you need for the activity mm -hmm. at hand. Mm -hmm. When you yeah. superventilate, you're creating activities like a workout. Hmm. So you are creating a high amount of breath, but it's, it's according to the activity, which is emphasizing the lower diaphragm and abdominal, abdominal breath. So let, let's say hyperventilation is dysfunctional, superventilation is functional right. and, you know, um, it's good for you. And I think for what I heard that uh, Wim Hof's um, learning initially came from the Himalayan monks and they were doing this thing called Tumo where hmm. they were drying wet blankets with their breathing so the one that could dry most blankets would be the man and it's just basically <laughs> like super ventilating the through the ass. mouth so yeah. <laughs> 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 and after a set of say 30 mm -hmm. you squeeze squeeze mm -hmm. as if you want to make your face red and squeeze everything in and flex and just completely squeeze and then release the the pressure but continue holding and then go again and squeeze and, and then go again. And it just makes you squeeze. really, really hot. Very warm. Yeah, very, very warm. No, it's good. But in a good way, you know? Sure. Yeah. And I did it uh, one morning. I came down really early. And somehow, I think I follow him on Instagram. And there was this video Rightfully of him so, doing it, right? Yeah. yeah, it's great. And Wim is fantastic. And so he's like, okay, here we go. We're going to do the breath. And like, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, time let me go breathe, for it. Yeah, time to breathe. You know, he's like, he's this big bearded man. And we did that 30. Yeah. And then I held my breath and it was like, I felt like I could hold it forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we did it again. And, you know, he even tells you like when you're feeling lightheaded, it's like, okay, just go with those things. And I felt like I, it was amazing. I, I sat up and it was better than any coffee. It was mm. better than any sort of anything that I could have had in the morning, you know, and it yeah. was a wonderful experience. 
So in the context of performance enhancing and exploring performance training, that is also called CO2 scrubbing. Is your body will get you hooked into proper breathing because the sensations are so awesome, mm. right? Because yeah. after a while you get kind of interested and then maybe even addicted to breathing right and to right. breathing deeply and to maybe doing some of these practices because those sensations is, is you know, the closest that I've experienced to a psychedelic session or yeah. or being very high, yeah. right? But it's your own chemistry. Yeah. And so that is very wise. Your body knows that if it gets you caught, hooked into your own chemistry, you will do the right thing because you want to feel that bliss. Yeah, and it really is blissful. I mean, it, at first you're like, "Am I? Am I? Am I uh, okay? Am I okay?" Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't know if I'm. Yeah. And because of what he said, he's like, "Look, when you're feeling those sensations, if you feel a little lightheaded, just go with it." And just like fear, you yeah. know, if you are able to push through that mm -hmm. safely, of course. On the other side yeah. of that is. That flow, that bliss, that thing that Because we see. at the beginning, again, same with the eyes. There's restriction, there's contraction, there's fight. I mean, these sensations, mm -hmm. I don't know. Can I, am I okay? Can I deal? Mm -hmm. But if you surrender to the sensations, after the sensations or part of the sensations come some visions. Mm -hmm. You can see things. I've seen things, mm -hmm. breathing. Like what? You know, like uh, geometrical patterns I've mm. seen with plant medicine or, you know, LSD or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, your body creates those chemicals. So you can, you can, you can get high on your own chemicals. Yeah. In the safe, most healthiest yeah. way possible. Yeah, and you possible. can stop it like that. Yeah. Free. Free yeah. way. Free. And in the eyes <laughs> too, free. I mean, body <laughs> sensations, not visions, but body sensations I've experienced similar in the eyes as well. Sure. Eyes and sun exposure. Uh, in the body, like some vib vibration or yeah. the sense of oneness with with everything. Have you ever walked out of an audition room and said to yourself, oh my gosh, that was terrible. I should have, could have done so much better. Well, you are not alone. I used to do that all the time until I decided to find a better way. And I started asking my coaches, my mentors, my friends, the shiny people I knew in the business, how they auditioned, how they approached the art of auditioning. And I began to discover patterns and roadmaps and secrets to success. And that's why I wrote the book, Audition Secrets, Volume 1, the behind-the-scenes guidebook for nailing more auditions and booking more jobs. And you can get that book for free at auditionsecrets.com. Why are you giving it away for free, Justin? Well, let me tell you. I want to give you more upfront for free than most people will charge you for because this information is so vital. It is important. I want you to have it. You need to have it, and it will radically alter the way you audition, the way you approach performance, and like it promises, it will help you nail more auditions and book more jobs. So go on over to auditionsecrets.com and download your free copy today. Breath work, obviously very important, but something that we talked about, Diana and I saw each other on the train like last week, I think it was, mm -hmm. or something like that. We were going up, up north. And you talk about mental work in the ice. And I love to talk about mindsets and mental work when it comes to performance and especially in the, the audition game. You know, there's so much fear. There's so much negative self-talk. And so one of the things that I definitely felt when I got into the ice 
was some negative self-talk, mm. right? <laughs> I wanted to, I really was like, I can't, I, all of the limiting words, right, that we think about. And so how, what are some of the techniques to reverse that self-talk or in essence to surrender when you're in the ice? Ah, that's a cool question. Hmm. I got one. Go for it. So mm. apparently when you talk to yourself in the third person, your inner self listens in a way that it doesn't if you talk to yourself in the first person because you are so used to belittling yourself, self-doubting yourself in the first person. I can't do this. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Right? So the I, when you don't have a lot of inner work and you've associated the I with that hyper-consciousness or consciousness that is beyond the little me, right? The, what mm. Buddhists call the little I. Mm. When you don't associate yourself with the big I all the time, the I doesn't work so much, right? So, sure. so when you call yourself by your, your first name and you're talking to yourself as in third person, so you say, Justin, you got this. Yeah, that really gets you concentrated. So for me, I would say, I, I tell myself in the eyes, Diana, you got this. Diana, you can do this. That's so interesting. With or without your name. Shift. Just the yeah. you. Yeah. You can, That's you one can way. do this. And I think, and we spoke about this on the train. Yeah. It's because people respond to outside authority, right? Yeah. People respond to, to somebody from outside telling you what you can do. And I think it's because we don't do it enough with ourselves. So mm. what we're used to telling ourselves is what we are afraid of and what we can't do or... Even if you say, I got this, yeah, do you, are you sure you believe that the moment you're saying it? But this, this thing of, you got this, like, yeah. Interesting. So third person self-talk that's one way, yeah. is one way. Mm -hmm. That's the obvious, yeah, that's a great way. That's the one I can think of doing without even realizing I was doing it. Um, well, I'm, because it's so fascinating, just that little shift though that yeah. micro adjustment from saying because you're right I, I mean every time it's like i can't i am not able i i don't know right yeah. i don't know yeah. right but if you just make that shift to the third person and then what is your mind power. doing when you get in the eyes your mind yeah. immediately goes to this is very cold i'm gonna die i don't ah e mm -hmm. fear so if you give your mind the task say put it on the breath and let your mind concentrate on the breathing pattern slow through the nose or sometimes i would say breathe in in three beats breathe out in six breathe in in three hold it for one breathe out in six and then your mind has a task and it's suddenly not paying attention to the fact that it's cold and it's breathing right so then you shifted your mindset just by giving something to do to your attention and the rest of you surrenders yeah if you allow it, and that right. comes back to the somatics of it, you do have to pay attention to how am I actually sitting in there or lying in there and where are my legs and arms organized. It makes a difference how your humerus and femur are positioned and how much you can relax your hips, relax your abdomen. And back, yeah, with regard to self-talk and third person, second person, um, like everything, it's really easier the more you do it. And mm -hmm. That's one technique, but the reality of any of the techniques is the more you do it, the easier it gets. It's not that it's not just that practice makes permanent or um, perfect, so to speak. It's the particular kind of practice. Mm -hmm. And that's just understanding, again, the nervous system and how it is essentially just your your clay to mold, your art. Mm -hmm. That's how I look at the nervous system. Yeah. It's my art to 
mold how I like. <laughs> it's like I know for me it's like I've been to acting classes I've been to singing classes I've been to all this other stuff but when in just schooling in general except for you know specific uh, uh, studies do we ever focus on the breath work or mental work or like you said I have never before this moment I've never really thought of the nervous system as something that was a pliable thing that was an art I mean I get it but when you take it out of any other sort of context and see it on its own, that's amazing that, yes, with breath work and with doing what it is that we're talking about here, you really can mold your nervous system. Well, the, the modern metaphor is it's a program. You know? Sometimes yeah. you joke about nervous systems, your program, skeletal systems, your hardware, soft tissues, your software. And hmm. you know, you got to take care of that program. Yeah. For the little that we know about the brain, because we have... And same with the physiological benefits of the eyes and the sun. I mean, the research will catch up to the practices. These are ancient practices. By right. the way, science is always behind, right, the, the innovation of the, the the human species. But, I mean, to prove really that well, what I'm feeling is right, right, it's always later, right? Um, the brain, we don't know much about it, but we know now compared to 100 years of, of prior research that is plastic, that it, we, don't, mm -hmm. are, we are not born with a number set of neurons. Uh, our, our cells, brain cells don't decay as we age, but we keep growing new ones. Mm. It's not you use them or you lose them. It's <laughs> about you use them more and you get more connections and, and you learn new things up to the very last day. So that's the plasticity. Yeah. of the brain that we're banking on to learn all these things, right? Even a proper way of, um, say, breathing. And I want to say being present is what I um, r maybe want to emphasize that happens with the breath work, with the eyes, with the sauna, with Feldenkrais. It just brings you back to the present moment, brings you back to the here and now, mm. puts your feet right here on the spot <laughs> because it doesn't really matter what got you here, it doesn't really matter what you're going to have for dinner, but it's what are we doing now that really counts. So you, you put your attention back in the moment. And, that's the um, most ancient technique of all. Right? Yeah. Mm. Just uh, one last uh, mental technique that Laird shared with us recently, and the, that was he gets in the ice tub and he says to himself, this is my home, mm. this is where I live. Wow, you can find that video of him. You can find a video of him saying that on Diana's I social media. Put page. it, yeah, my <laughs> my personal page, which is Diana Breathe Now, yeah. right? By the way, and because um, I'm obsessed with the breath work, but uh, this is my home. This is where I live. Imagine saying that when you're nervous as hell, sitting in an audition room. Exactly. Yeah. This is my home. This is where I live. I mean, it's practically where There's most people live. There's nowhere anyway. to go. <laughs> There's <laughs> you know nothing I mean? else to do. Here I'm yeah. comfortable. Here yeah. I'm safe. Yeah. I'm just going to be here. And you make it your home. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And um, what Diana was saying about the science, it's wonderful to a lot. All we're doing with exploring is exploring what's possible because we don't know. It's, I mean, the fundamental thing we keep realizing is we don't know what's possible. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't know like, what the quote is. Oh, the like, brain stops developing at 25. Well, no, it doesn't. <laughs> That's just cuckoo. Yeah. And we say these things and we take them and create stories. And we all know the, the stories are what's limiting. And uh, uh, there's so many great quotes that we could all use. And I like to look at it as everything either increases possibility or increases limitation. Mm. The more you're aware of that, the more you can be in the moment, which is what we are consistently 
striving to do. Yeah. yeah. Right? And what happens when you when you're in the moment is suddenly you get get over yourself, get out of your head, and suddenly you can connect. Mm-hmm. And isn't that what your actors want? Absolutely. Don't they want to connect to the to that whatever who is judging them? Do do you get the role or not? Do mm-hmm. you want to connect to the audience? Do you mm-hmm. want to connect to your fellow uh, actors? Right? You mm-hmm. you you need to get out of your head and into the moment so you can connect. Mm-hmm. You remember that you're one with them. And what I really love to hammer home especially with my students is that yes you connect with the people on the other side of the table who are judging you basically you connect with the audience but the real true beauty of doing the work is connecting to yourself Mm -hmm. and when you really truly connect to yourself you understand that your perspective your life the experiences that you've had no one else in this world has had it's as unique as a fingerprint right and if you really truly delve into that and if we really truly connect with ourselves and realize that our perspective is unique when it comes to the auditioning game then we remove one of the biggest limiting beliefs one of the biggest barriers and that's competition there is no competition Mm -hmm. when you're just coming at it knowing that no one else can do what I do. And it's great. I've worked hard at it. I believe in it. I love it. I'm going to go into the room and I'm going to say to the people on the other side of the table, not literally, say to them, hey, I got this great thing. Do you want to get on board? If you do, mm. great. If you don't, great. great. <laughs> Somebody else will. Stop comparing yeah. then too, right? Yeah. And I find myself doing that all the time. You know, yeah. with social media, it's so it easy to do. Too. I'm like, oh, here's XYZ actor, XYZ singer. And I every time I go to the place of like, oh, they're doing this and I'm not doing that. And they're do- I said, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's their path. Mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to be doing that. I'm doing what I'm doing here. And to compare myself and my life and my experiences and my have or have nots to them is the biggest folly. It's the trap. It's like the biggest trap that yeah. we fall into. And it, it just robs us of our power. It robs us of our individuality. And it robs us of the gratitude for the life and experiences that we've had. Yeah, and the ability to enjoy being yourself and to love yourself. You know, <laughs> yeah. There's a Feldenkrais quote, correct me if I don't get it right, that if you, after a lesson or a session or a class, if somebody loves themselves more than you've, quote unquote, done your job, or that's a success. Yeah, um, sure. I remember the anecdote you shared with us when we talked last about how when the uh, when you're auditioning, instead of literally you know putting on a show, now how are you? I'm kind of shitty. That was- yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's in my book. I think it might be the I don't know what chapter it is, but like, don't ever lie. Don't ever lie. Like, yeah, walk in and be yourself because it is the most powerful tool you have. Yeah. in your entire arsenal. And it's way more interesting to look at someone that is being authentic than yeah. just, I can see right through you. So if you're lying yeah. to me, I'm so bored already. Because yeah. you're lying to yourself in that very moment, right? Yeah. And um, and casting directors are used to, and, and creative teams are on the other side of the table are used to people coming in and just lying to them mm-hmm. left and right. But it is still energy on their part to have to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to put this to the back of my mind that that person's lying. You know what I mean? It's just one less, um, it's just less energy that they could be focused 
yeah. on using to focus on you. Yeah, and, and I want to bring another connection to this point, which we made in the train as well. Mm. And thank you for that. Was a beautiful, unexpected conversation, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is the vulnerability piece. Because mm. once you're able to say, and I just did it recently in class, maybe two weeks ago. I teach a Friday morning class, which they've known me for a long time. And it's a it's a nice group, solid group. The Feldenkrais Feldenkrais is done both one on one uh, on a table, and uh, also in groups. So you guide them with your voice, and they find those movements on their own, and they use the attention and engage the brain and the whole thing on their own. And and I was going through a rough patch, you know, personally, and I just stood in front of them that Friday morning, and I said, "I'm having a hard day today," and. Um, here I am, right? They look at me, at the teacher, come into class, tell them what to do. They are guided by my voice. I don't demonstrate. Feldenkrais is never demonstrated, so you find your own movement. And they're looking at me like, you know, what do we do today? And I'm like, I'm having a hard time today. And and here I go telling them that it's okay to not be perfect. And it's okay not to have it all together all the time. And yeah. that it's okay to be vulnerable and to show this is it. And we're going to get out of this, you know, less than centered place together. And it worked. Yeah. And it opened something. They saw me as a human and they saw that I was not perfect because I'm not. Yeah. So that's the audition piece where you can say, yeah, you know, I had a rough time getting here. I'm late. I'm sweaty. Uh, you know, I'm a little <laughs> off, but, but I'm here with my best and yes. this is what I got. And it's so, it's so much more exciting to, to hear that. And I don't know when it happened, because I am, I grew up around the, the generation of entertainer who lived in the sort of, we're going to put the veil down between us and our audience and mystery, um, mystery. Yeah. Yeah, 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 intrigue. And we don't know who these people really are, but we love them so much because they're stars. And yet now with social media, with the accessibility we have to one another, um, there seems to be this weird thing where that vulnerability, that suffering, that openness is so attractive. And especially when you're someone in a position of power like you are in that class, you know, we're all trying to in some way or another, and I don't say we all, many people are trying to in some way or another live that scrubbed social media life. I mean, we have filters and apps mm. and things that, you know, that we can just remove the imperfections. Yet at the same time, there is, while we have all of that and we just kind of, it's out there, underneath all of that, the people who really open up the stars, like Busy Phillips is one of them. I mean, Busy Phillips was on, was she on my so-called life? Oh my God, please don't hate me for not knowing that if you're listening to this and you're screaming right now. But um, <laughs> she was on a very popular show and then she didn't work for a long time. And then all of a sudden she started just getting on social media and just living her life. And I mean, it was like things that normally you would cringe at, like, crying in the car just 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 put the phone up and and did it and was just angry or cry all the extremes and it has just been the the wave that she rode to a complete resurgence of her career you know had a show on network television and again it's that vulnerability that we have been i guess from a young age taught to fight against that ultimately is one of our greatest weapons in life, much less inside of uh, an audition room, mm -hmm. for sure. You said something to my wife. She came in today for a session, and I wrote it down because it, it was 
really relevant to just it was awesome and really relevant to my life and, and i know it will be relevant to a lot of the lives of the people listening it's like being the eye if you're in it you can't see it and it's the difference between your experience and who you were and something that happened in the past versus uh, who you are now yeah so we were talking about um, a potential moment in the past that where there was some trauma associated with it. And and that could be a way where you relive that over and over again, unless you can point your finger at it and say, look, at that moment, I let that trauma create a story. I created right, a story. Most people don't do that. Right. Most people, they, they just carry the trauma. You don't even them. know. Right. right? So, so, so what happened is two things. One is that once you can see yourself, Right. When you, once you can say, okay, Justin, oh, look, I, I do that. I did this. I messed up I that audition. Ha- that happened. And then you put yourself into that I, right? It's, I mentioned this before. Then, then you're caught up in it. You're in the story. You don't even make a difference between Justin and, and, and you, right? But you're not really Justin, if that makes any sense. <laughs> because in the moment where you can see yourself, right. then that is, that is the first level of awareness. So, so then you see yourself doing something, saying something, messing up, and you can observe yourself from kind of like outside right. or above. Right. So then that's the first level of distinction. And this is not me. This is Buddhist teachings that I study. Me and I are different, right. right? The me is the one that suffers. The me is the one that had that trauma. The me is the one that believed that because that happened to me, then I'm less and I'm not worthy and I'm not able and I'm not powerless and I'm not strong enough and whatever. And the I looks at that and said, look, if you can see that, then that's, I'm not that. I right. can see it. That happened in the past. It's no that longer happened in the past. It doesn't define me. I don't have to relive that. I don't have to replay that. But also I'm not that. I'm I'm a I'm a higher consciousness that can see that. And then mm-hmm. above that, there's there's a there's something else that we're doing right now, which is meta awareness. Mm-hmm. You're aware that you are aware of the me. <laughs> <laughs> so if we can see us seeing us in the past, we're not even the I. We're the big I. Yeah. We're not the little eye that can see the me. We are the big eye. We are the consciousness. We are connected to 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 spirit. We there's not even a word for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, and it all begins with awareness. Mm-hmm. Bring it all all the way back yeah. around to and awareness and just go see. that moment of the past that doesn't define who you are today. Yeah, let go like a big backpack. Drop it. Right, but that's that's so easy to say. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I certainly have struggled with that, and I struggle with it every single day. I think everyone does, but um, absolutely, yeah. And, but like, just the first, I feel like it's almost like if I'm flowing through time, if we think time, if we become aware of time from moment to moment to moment to moment to moment, it's a new possibility, right? And we are we are flowing through time. I guess if we want to think of it in a linear sense. And that thing that happened in the past is no longer who I am. And that's a really important distinction to make, right? Because we carry those things with us. Oh, I had this childhood trauma and Oh, I had these things. And it goes back to my (laughs) thing that I talked about in your podcast. Tell me again, you changed the name of your podcast, (laughs) but I want to know what the name of the podcast is now. Movement matters. Movement matters. A little pun is the podcast. <laughs> yeah, movement matters. We so found there were out. like five both ends. Like, oh crap! Why right, we- it used to be called both and yeah. podcast. And now it's the <laughs> movement matters podcast. And so, in the episode that I was on, um, I spoke about stories. 
you know, and my students mm-hmm. have heard me say it a million times, but like our number one job as performers in my perspective, in my belief, our number one job as performers is to serve the story. And yet we carry all these stories with us that don't serve us mm-hmm. in life, but also in performance. Right. And so I think it, why it hit me so hard when you said that is that, oh my goodness, you're right. I am no longer the same person that that trauma happened to. It could have happened five seconds ago or five years or 10 years ago, but I'm not that person anymore. And the fact that I can see that and I can look back on that and the I is looking back on, you, you want to call it the me that that happened to is such a huge distinction. Yeah. And through that, I mean, the, the question I guess I have and I don't know if we can answer it, is then how do you, with that perspective, let go of that that me, that story that me wants to hang on to and that I use to define myself? Because so many people will talk to me about, you know, I, I had this terrible audition and ever since I haven't been able to, or I've had this thing, I messed up on stage and I haven't been able to do this ever since. So how do you through awareness through breath through what it is that you know and the modalities that you use how do you begin to shed that me and that old story the first uh, step is very hard to do which is to identify what are the emotions or the feelings associated with that that you can still Mm. Uh, it's so hard to say but in a way they serve you they self they don't serve you, but they serve you because they serve you as crutches mm. to avoid your full growth. So you're victimizing yourself that way. Wow. Okay, so that, yeah, and that is, you can find it in people's body of work and podcasts. And, and what what I mean is, okay, if I, if I make this story that that happened to me and because that happened to me, then I can't, then I don't have to try that's true. And yeah. then I, I can't. You're a victim. Uh, yeah. yeah. And that I'm going to limit and I'm going to, in a way, I'm going to stay in my shell and then I don't have to b- break through my comfort zone, mm. which is what we do, by the way, with the breath work, with the eyes, all that is push the comfort zone, lean into it um, and see what's on the other side. I don't have to jump that cliff. I don't have to show myself. I can just be here. And in a way, I stay small and I stay unhealthy by by doing that. But then I, you know, you feel safe. safe. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Safe, right? right. So yeah. once you identify that, then you decide, okay, I don't want to be there. I don't want to do that. And then comes the tools. Mm-hmm. But first, take a look at what are these self-serving things mm. that are really not serving you, but they protect you, that are generated by all those stories and limiting beliefs. Right, that you you've used as protection, but ultimately in the grander scheme, they're limitations. Yeah, and we have glimpses. It's not that all the time, but here and there you have green glimpses of the brilliant creature that you are, your mm. grandiosity, your connection to spirit. You you have glimpses of your oneness. You have glimpses of this self that yeah, is b- bigger than, On stage. than the little me. Sure. Yeah. It's that thing. So you have like, to believe in that. <laughs> right. But yeah. again, that we come back around to it again. It's awareness is the, is one of the keys mm-hmm. that unlocks that door. Yeah. Well, Diana mentioned Buddhism and I was thinking, yeah, that there are so many uh, ways that the, what we're talking about obviously relates to Eastern traditions and Buddhism in a certain sense. And I was just thinking, you know, I think you have to 
eventually ask yourself if any way you any way you're suffering is necessary or not. You know, suffering mm. and Buddhism go hand in hand, as does what we're talking about with Atman and little I and ego, et cetera, et cetera. But what we're also now saying is that all of those roots are well, they're also unnecessary. What we're talking about is not um, unique. You know, the breath stuff that used to be way up in the Himalayas with the monks and the yogis is now right here, down in the valley, so to speak, right here in the dirt and the muck, and where it's hot and sweaty, and we can take advantage of it and learn. And as I was listening to you, to the yeah, that part about. At what point are you willing to say, I'm, I've had enough suffering or the way I'm suffering right. has been, it's enough. What is, is this enough? And am I willing and wanting and can I, and am I deserving? And that's a question too, to find a different way. And all that is really at its core, the, the point, because obviously people are suffering and it's unnecessary. Yeah. Um, and the other part is. The word I just wanted to add is identity. We're talking on a lot of levels about identity, and it's it, that isn't be uh, that's psychology in a very real way. Like you can <laughs> you make it, you have the choice uh, to identify with your experiences from day one, uh, from day a thousand on, whatever. And you have the choice to say, I am who I am now. And the point of the work, as we call it, the quote-unquote work, is to catalyze the ability to make that choice and mm -hmm. that freedom. Mm -hmm. Because, the, as we've been saying, the identity probably, I'm willing to say, yeah, it either limits you or it allows for more possibilities. Mm -hmm. And... I believe, I think we know there's an inherent link between the limiting and the suffering. And uh, I, language is so imperative to this. We're talking about self-talk. We're talking about how we relate to our our past and our future, etc. Whatever the stories are, look at the way you word it. <laughs> yeah. It's either limiting or it's allowing for possibilities and freedom. In whatever context. Yeah. It's not just about movement, so to speak, except sure. in the sense that movement is life. <laughs> Absolutely. But, and all these things work together, all these systems, modalities, whatever you want to call it, whether that's, it's movement, breath work, you know, uh, nervous system. Um, it's all the same. Uh, all, all of the, I mean, yeah, it's all the same. We're all stardust. But like at the end of the day, A you Whitman, know, when yeah. we, yeah, but when we come back to awareness, awareness, awareness. It allows us to be in the moment. It allows us to tap into and get a glimpse of, I think, that which we truly are, which are these just free-flowing beings. We are human beings, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so there's this possibility that I personally am most excited about, that what if more of us knew that and w operated with that awareness? What would be possible on Earth? Then you have to be willing to, obviously, and I'm going to be willing to do it, say the way we are on Earth isn't good enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. I think um, constant expansion is a wonderful yeah. goal to have on a daily basis, without a doubt. And I think, you know, if you want to relate it more to the acting in the entertainment world, I mean, imagine if more of us were just a little bit more aware 
And if we chose to identify with that which was wonderful about us, that which was powerful and unique about us, I mean, imagine how that would change entertainment, not only just for the masses watching it, but for the suffering that's going on inside of our mm. own community, mm. right? And, as well, and that's suffering, not just the actors, but the people on the other side of the table. They're human. They're suffering as well. They have their own things that they're going through. And I think that we would see a lot less of these sort of me too, time's up moments oh, happening mm-hmm. right if we were a little bit more uh, a lot more aware of that so awareness is key awareness yeah. is key well, i really want to thank you both mm. for your time thank this you this has been Beautiful. awesome and i can't wait to get in the ice again how about now <laughs> i'm gonna do it are you yeah well, oh, good. i just got my underwear so just gonna, whatever as long as you don't mind Beautiful. not at all yeah. if you're if you're good yeah i'm good rock on all right let's do it i might get on too i have 20 minutes until my next client so yay (laughs) thank you so much justin this has been a gift and it's so wonderful to have you as part of our community and i appreciate the work you're doing in the world and in your community and uh, you guys listening just uh, keep it up there's there's so much power within you that you just Mm. have to just trust and tap into one day at a time it's a process it's a process yeah (laughs) yeah thank you both thank you I love sitting down with Dana and Colin anytime I get the chance. And what's really fun is that they're right here, both of them, in my town. And Colin's son and my son are best friends. So I get to hang out with Colin all the time. And we just get to shoot the breeze about anything and everything. But we really love to sit and talk about all the stuff that you heard on the podcast in the interview today. And thank you again, as always, for tuning in, checking it out. You can find out more about Feldenkrais and XPT and all the wonderful things that Koru does at wearekoru.com. In the meantime, I am Justin Guarini. Thank you so very much for listening to Audition Secrets. On next week's show, we have Tony Award-winning book writer for Tootsie, Robert Horn. It is a fun, it is probably one of my favorite interviews that I've done because Robert and I go way back. We've worked together before and he's one of the funniest people I have ever met and we like to just bust each other's stones. And so you're going to hear a lot of that next week. But for now, again, this is Audition Secrets. I'm Justin Guarini and remember, you're only one audition away. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.